0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Alisa Benson.
2: If you've been obsessively following the Summer Olympics like we all do here at Cosmopolitan.com, then you know there's so much more to see and talk about than just gymnastics, diving, swimming. I'm talking, of course, about bulges. Honestly, what's more intriguing than an Olympic peen? The answer is nothing. From the tight speedos to the wet bodysuits, these Olympians are beyond sexy, and they are at the height of their athletic prime. But during our Olympic coverage, we've gotten a lot of backlash about whether or not it's okay to objectify men's bodies when we're so against objectifying women's bodies. As women, we've been objectified specifically in celebrity culture since, well, forever. Women are reduced to nothing more than body parts. So isn't it only fair that we level the playing field? Or, to play devil's advocate, is it actually sexist to ogle men's bodies? Are we fighting fire with fire? If feminism is the equal treatment of both men and women, shouldn't men be treated with the same respect? Or should men even have a say? I'm Elisa Benson, this is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast, and today we are talking all about bulges. Joining me on the panel today is Site Director Amy O'Dell. Hi Amy. Hi Elisa. I think I already know the answer to this question, but just to state it for the record, are you pro bulge? Well.
1: Uh, Being a heterosexual woman, I think just generally in life, yes. But as the editor of uh, Cosmo and Cosmo's digital channels, then um, am I pro bulge coverage? Yes, I am. And you can tell quite easily by looking at the Olympics coverage on Cosmo.com, on Facebook,
2: on Snapchat Discover, kind of everywhere we are. Um, Do you... Just to sort of put it in perspective, do you know how many, do you have a sense of like how many articles we've written about bulges in the past few weeks during the Olympics?
1: That's a great question. I actually don't think that we've done that much about bulges specifically. We did one very comprehensive slideshow of summer Olympic bulges, uh, and that wasn't even at the Rio Games. That was looking back at past bulges in order to get people excited about this year's games. And I think that we are going to do another one of the best bulges of the Rio games. But, um, you know, the original slideshow we did, just looking back, sort of the retrospective, that got a lot of attention. A lot of attention. It was picked up in, I saw the Washington Post and the New York Times. Um, and, and it's pick, caused a lot of debate.
2: And picked up in sort of good ways and bad ways. So can exactly. you talk a little bit about the response to it? So some people
1: say, you know, women are objectified all the time, so it's only fair to objectify men. And other people say that it's uh, sexist because objectification, no matter the gender, is sexist. And we are um, hypocritical because we argue against the objectification of women, and here we are objectifying men.
2: And so what feels to you different? Obviously Cosmo would never run never run a slideshow of like the hottest, you know, female athletes at the Olympics or like butt watch during beach volleyball. Actually you mean the maybe we would. You might
1: see it. <laughs> Yeah, see so I'm thinking about that because we um, we've run slideshows of the best cleavage on the red carpet. Um, we, and you bikini know, bodies are huge for us. We have a slideshow of celebrities wearing bikinis. And I think it's presented just quite literally as that here are a lot of celebrities wearing bikinis and, you know, the thinking behind that, I think is that you know, our audience likes to look at pictures of celebrities. So we have a slideshow of women in bikinis and we have a slideshow of men in bathing suits on the beach too. I think that one is actually called Met like male bikini bodies. (laughs) Male bikini Which is a little (laughs) which
2: is a little winky. Yeah. It's all sort of done tongue in cheek. Um, And I think, Amy, we talk about this all the time because we've been working together a million years now, but I think tongue-in-cheek is a good point, and I feel like sometimes from the outside world, that's a weird, like everyone who reads Cosmo, all of our readers, and we're so lucky to have loyal readers, they all know and they all get it, but sometimes the outside world has this opinion that Cosmo is very serious. I completely agree with you, Um, and I, I fully understand being an editor of
1: websites for more than 10 years now that people don't always get the joke And most people don't get satire or any sort of um, undertone (laughs) or implication or wink um, with content. And I get that, and and I don't expect everyone to get every single one of our jokes. That would be ridiculous and unfair. Um, I think the big difference, you know, for me, looking at uh, celebrating men's bodies or looking at women's bodies, I think that, you know, the thing that people, that gets lost in this conversation is, Women are objectified all the time, and we don't stop to think about it. And the Olympics come along, and we're like, oh, my gosh, look at these amazing men's bodies. And it's like, think piece, think piece, think piece. Like, everyone wants to talk about it and analyze it, and like, this isn't fair. Well, how come when the Victoria's Secret show happens every year, we don't have that conversation? Right. How come? I think this actually did happen recently. Well, the last naked selfie, I want to say the last one that Kim Kardashian posted, it was her standing in front of a mirror and there were black bars over her um, boobs and stuff. Uh, And that, and Bette Midler responded. And that was a huge story and sort of ignited a feminist debate about like, is that... Is it feminist for her to post that picture? Right. Uh, is it sex positive? Like, what does that mean about women? Right. Um, but that was kind of a rare moment, you know? When we look
2: at just. Usually like we're any- just used to seeing women presented in that way.
1: Uh, yeah, 100%. That's uh, the most concise and simple way to put it. And you just look at, like, the VMAs are later this month. Mm-hmm. We saw the Grammys this year. Um, and you just expect our female pop stars to go out there. And a leotard
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: and heels, and you expect Justin Bieber to go out there looking like he fucking just got off an overnight flight. Right. You know, an overnight pot filled And he play. dances, yeah, and he dances in a big puddle. And like, it's great. I love watching him, I love watching women perform, but there is just such a difference in our expectations of male and female celebrities.
2: I think that idea the difference in expectations sort of ties into the larger culture the sort of larger culture isn't what I meant to say the larger context which I think is so important. You know it's not that we are putting these pieces out here in a vacuum. You know the larger culture is sexist and as you said historically has. we live in a sexist and patriarchal society. Women's bodies have been objectified since the dawn of time. So it really isn't the same to present a slideshow of men's bodies in this cultural context as it is to present one of women it's just not exactly it's not the same and um
1: if you look at our slideshow too i think it's important to note that it's not just photographs of crotches right (laughs) it's it's full it's photographs of people and this is one way of celebrating the amazing bodies of
2: the athletes at the Olympics. And it's also funny. Like it is a little, is the, whole, the whole idea is Minky. And like, you know, we sit around in these meetings and we have these ideas and someone says it and we're all like tee. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that again, that sometimes to the outside world, it's like, this is very serious. Like this is our statement. And we're like, no, it's a little like funny. It's a little funny to cover it in this way. And it exactly. is a statement in and of itself. Um, I want to read some tweets that we've had in response um, to some of the articles that we have done on the site. This is from at Sloth Vibe. <laughs> <Lol>. <laughs> Cosmo is using the fight with fire approach by objectifying men because they do it to women. Makes no sense. And it isn't the equality feminism wants. This is from Ms. Butler 21. Like you can't be all women are being sexualized left and right and then share a Cosmo article about the best Olympic bulges that deserve gold. I forgot that's the headline, but that's hilarious. Um, And this is from Doc to do so little. Cosmopolitan is being accused of hypocrisy over Olympic bulges. This is a step backwards. Let's man up here. Amy, what's your reaction as the editor of the site to those tweets? I think these are fair re- reactions, and I'm
1: I'm happy that we even started a conversation about this because I think it's an important one to have. You know, as I said, when the Victoria's Secret sh- fashion show happens every year, no one cares. It seems. I mean, maybe there there are there is an underlying conversation on social media that doesn't make it to mainstream media, right. but we've just kind of stopped having that conversation. And I think generally, you know, I would love it if women were never objectified. And I think that this slideshow would, or our bulge coverage, let me say, would look very different if we lived in a world where women are never objectified. But I feel like... I can be a little bit of a realist and say we will never ever live in a world where women are not objectified at all. Right. That is an idealistic fantasy land.
2: That is, and to that point, that is what drives me crazy when people say like, well shouldn't the answer be that no one is objectified at all? It's like, well yeah, in your perfect fantasy world, but like that isn't the world that we live in.
1: But also what does it say? To go back to our girl Kim Kardashian, Like, what does it say that she is posting naked selfies. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, what does that say? I mean, like, fine, she can post whatever she wants. Great. Good for her. Right. You can call it sex positive. You can call it whatever. But I mean, like, how do you categorize that if you're looking at a spectrum of objectification? Right. Would she do that if women have not been objectified? Right. Right. If women's sexuality, or let me put it another way, if women's sexuality wasn't so uh, celebrated and talked about in our culture, would she do that?
2: Right, right, right. And there's there's no way of knowing, which is why it's important to have these conversations because it's nuanced and it's not black and white. And so when people have that sort of very like black and white, like, well, Cosmo would never do this for women. It's like you are missing the entire point, which is that it's not as simple as saying what we do for men and what we do for women. I also want to say, You know, we are going to talk in just a few minutes, we're going to call up one of our favorite Olympians from Rio, which I'm really excited about, Um, and he's going to talk a little bit with us about bulges and being a hot piece of objectified meat, but it was really hard for us to find men that would come onto this podcast today and talk about it. We reached out, not going to name any names, but we reached out to a lot of men, and not necessarily athletes in Rio who are obviously busy like being literally at the Olympics, but a lot of male actors who ultimately did not want to come on and have this conversation. And it's sort of unbelievable when you just think about a woman it would never even be like do you want to come on and talk about your body being objectified because that comes up in every single interview and in every single conversation women are so used to talking about the way their bodies are presented what's it like to be seen as a sex object how do you feel about photoshop like these are standard questions that we ask women and i think it's very telling that very few men are even willing to sort of like work their way into the conversation.
1: Yeah, it seems to me just in the coverage that we've done of of these issues that male celebrities um feel like they can opt out and they feel like they're here for their art and they weren't they're not here to be sex symbols. And I think that again it's idealistic to assume that you can divorce the two. Because let's face it, like John Ham right. famous celebrity bulge, right like, yes, he's a great actor, he's also a sex symbol. Right. And I still get mad when I think about that John Hamm moment from a few years ago. When he said I, I don't know the exact quote, but he basically said that he um He's an actor, and he's—you know—why are people talking about his bulge?
2: I think the exact quote was, "Wham, wham! I'm a serious <laughs> actor. I'm John Hamm. Why are people donging about my penis?" after he was photographed not wearing underwear. His last name is Ham. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the jokes write themselves. John Ham. It's that especially made me mad because we all want to love John Ham because in addition of course to being a very good serious actor, he's also hilarious. I love every spot that he's ever done on 30 Rock. He's like a comic genius. And it's always just a little like, you know, such a lady boner killer when you see <laughs> these men that seem so funny and then they go into interviews and they're like super super serious. Like that's how I always feel about Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like you're hot, yeah. and I want to love you, and you're so boring. <laughs> every time you give in words, of sex I don't know. Is he speech. boring?
1: He like runs around with super soakers and right. But
2: then anytime he, anytime <laughs> he, had he has that weird like, summer. Right. Anytime he has his public face on. Anyway, I'm yeah. getting very distracted from our conversation about bulges. Olympic to talk about. bulges, specifically. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But I understand. I understand the opposition. I just think that we come from a different POV, which is that. As you said, you have to look at the context in which uh, men's and women's bodies are talked about in pop culture, and um, but I but I understand I understand where people are coming from. I would like to live in, in a world where no one was objectified too, right? But we don't, and right? And Cosmo will not be able to change that, right? I would like to live in a world, but I also of like and we didn't talk combos. about, and I know we we have other things to do on this podcast today, but. Think about the sex positivity movement. It almost feels to me sometimes, too, like men are just not a part of the sex positive movement. And when I say sex positive movement, I mean, you know, women saying like, uh, yeah, I'm going to dress sexy. I'm going to do what I want. I enjoy sex. And that's I shouldn't be shamed for it. And I, you know, Cosmo is a sex positive brand. Like women should um should do whatever they want with their sexuality. like That shouldn't even be a question. And here we are talking about men's sexuality and it's just such a different conversation.
2: Right, right, right. Um, So I think it is time to bring a man on into that conversation. We obviously couldn't do an episode about objectifying men and talking about male bulges without talking to one of the guys at the top of our list. Please welcome to the podcast, member of Team USA, who is actually calling us right now from Rio, where he just competed in his second Olympic Games, gymnast Jake Dalton. Hi, Jake.
3: Hi, how's it going? Good.
2: Was that the best intro you've ever had that sort of prioritized (laughs) your bulge above your Olympic achievements?
3: (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Definitely out there.
2: How are things going over there?
3: Uh, things are going great. You know, we had our competition so far and uh, we have two more guys going tonight to finish out the whole gymnastics competition. So uh, it's been fun and definitely a good experience and uh, just trying to enjoy my time here in Rio now.
2: Absolutely. So you're done competing. Um, congratulations, by the way. We're so proud Thank of you. you. It's been so, so, so fun to watch. Um, and Thank so now you. you just get to like kind of like cheering your teammates and party for the rest of the time, right?
3: I wish. Um, I'm actually gonna see my family for a little bit because they came to watch. So I'm gonna hang out with them for a little while, and then uh, I actually get to do closing ceremonies because I didn't get to do it in 2012. So we're gonna stay for that as well. So that should be fun.
1: That's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. I don't know if you really want to be going out and partying given um, what happened to Ryan Lochte <laughs> yeah, and I heard, his uh, friends. You know, it could get
3: a little crazy.
1: Yeah, it sounds kind of dicey down there. They were held up at gunpoint for those of you who aren't following the story. Anyway, stay
2: safe. <laughs>
3: Yeah, thank you.
2: <laughs> so, the male gymnastics team this year has been getting a ton of coverage, not just for your athleticism, but for your actual bodies. What has that been like?
3: Um, you know, for me, I think it's been, it's been great, you know, because we do a lot of hard gymnastics, but we do work really hard and, you know, we have great physique, so I think it ties into the fitness and health and wellness industry pretty well, and I think, uh, you know, it's more exposure for our sport.
2: Um, so that was you know, part of what we were talking about in preparation for this episode was this like hilarious article in The Wall Street Journal that came out that you were quoted in, Jake, just a few days ago that was basically saying like the men's gymnastics team is begging you to objectify them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we don't necessarily want everyone to sit here and just, you know, try and define us by that, but uh, I mean, it's definitely nice to get recognized for the hard work and you know because we focus not only on our training but our diets as well and i mean looking good is part of uh part of our training kind of you know we want to feel good look good and go out there and be able to compete at our best
1: and can you give us a, or give our readers a brief overview for those who don't know of what your diet and training regimen is actually like
3: yeah you know usually uh i'll wake up um if i have morning workouts early i train at a college so we'll do that at 6 a.m so I'll get up about 5.40, head to the gym, have about an hour of strength, come home, and, uh, you know, I love breakfast, so I'll do an egg white omelet with some fruit and toast usually, and that's pretty much been my breakfast for the last five or six years. And then, uh, you know, a lot of chicken, eggs, rice, oatmeal, um, just a bunch of uh, pretty much proteins, good carbs, good quality sources of, uh, of food.
1: So you're not just eating whatever you want and working out like a couple hours a day. It's really, really full on. And I think that this is important for people to understand because you've been working on this for how many years of your life to get to this moment where you're at the Olympics?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, we want to perform our best. So whatever we put in our body, we're trying to make sure that it's good quality food so we can. So we can get the best performance out of our body, you know, and I think, I truly believe that, you know, if you're putting in uh, good sources of, you know, food, and it's going to help your, you know, your strength. I've noticed it, you know, when I was a little bit younger, I didn't really pay too much attention to it, and once I started figuring out my nutrition, I started getting stronger and competing even, uh, you know, more consistent and competing better and just getting stronger overall.
2: So Jake, you have an amazing body. You take really good care of it. You pay attention to every single thing you put into it. You're working out all the time. And so getting this attention around it, um, and this sort of conversation about objectifying men, is it creepy? Is it funny? Is it a confidence boost? Are you like, yeah, I know. Like what is your reaction?
3: It's definitely, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a little different. Sometimes it's a little bit weird. You know, you'll get some weird stuff, but you're always going to, yeah, I think you're always going to have that, especially when you're kind of in the, the public's eye. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's any different. You know, people do that for for the women. And I think, uh, you know, for us, it, it kind of, like I said, it gets us out there. It puts us in front of an audience a little bit more. You know, sometimes it's going to be a little bit weird. But you just kind of take it with uh, all in good fun and, you know, kind of use it to our advantage because we're trying to grow our sport every single day.
2: And so after you compete, if I were you, basically the first thing I would do after I competed is, like, check my phone and see all the notifications, like, blowing on my Twitter. True or false? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we like to check everything out and see how it was. Uh, my first thing was run to the cafeteria and get some pizza. <laughs> so <laughs> That's that was a good one, too. One That's of the a real thing with I the did. gymnasts.
1: The women, too. Everyone's like, as soon as we're done, we're having pizza. <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly. I ran and had some pizza, and then it's kind of, you know, it's because we're tracking everything we're eating all the time, making sure we're staying light, and so now is kind of the time where we get to relax a little bit and enjoy food.
1: And I want to go back to something you said. You said sometimes you get some weird stuff. What do you mean by weird stuff?
3: Yeah, you know, just you'll probably get a little inappropriate things here and there just um, for us because most of our followers in our uh, following are younger gymnasts, younger kids, so... You know if someone's saying something a little bit inappropriate it just makes it a little weird you just don't want uh, to set a bad example because you know we are still here to set a good example and be a good role model for the younger generation of gymnasts out there
2: are you guys given specific guidelines on social media what to say what not to say
3: um no not really anything specific you know just kind of the general be smart you know think about what you post obviously but uh You know it's pretty much common sense nothing too crazy
2: (laughs) sure and so what do you think about um this rumor floating around i don't know if it's really fair to say it's a rumor but this conversation about you guys competing shirtless
3: uh yeah i did hear about that i mean we kind (laughs) of say that you know it would be cool for us all the time because for us the the competition uniforms aren't very comfortable and we don't really train in them that often until we're doing an inner squad or something like that um we do just train in shorts and no shirt usually but you know, so for us, I think we would like it, we, we wouldn't mind it, it would be a little more comfortable for us, but then you have some countries, um, like Japan, they always train with a t-shirt, they don't train without a t-shirt, um, I think it's just something in their culture that they do, so, you know, I don't think everybody would be on board, but I think definitely the U.S. guys wouldn't, wouldn't mind.
2: Oh, Jake, are you still there? I am. Can you oh. hear me? Oh, yeah. It just sounded like there's, like, a plane over your head or something. Don't know what's going yeah, on Yeah, no, there, it's you know.
3: just uh, getting a little windy out here. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So, um, when you, do you, have you been, like, browsing all of these lists of sort of, like, you know, the hottest athletes at the Olympics, like, bulge watch at the Olympics? Like, before you go to bed every night, are you spending, like, an hour on your phone, like, you know, surfing the Internet, see what people seeing what people are saying about you?
3: Uh, no, not too much. You know, I'll see some stuff. Uh, people are tweeting things, you know, here and there, but, uh, for the most part, you know, I don't go searching too much, but it's something, you know, we'll get some friends who are sending us some stuff. Uh, you know, I think I got a, uh, email to a link for, you know, it was an article on my wife and I, or something like that, you know, so a few friends will pop up some stuff here and there, but not really searching for too much.
2: Um, what does your wife think about the conversation about your amazing physique
3: about the what?
2: About your amazing physique. <laughs>
3: um, you know she was a gymnast, so she she understands the hard work that we put in, and the uh, you know, the effort it takes to get, uh, you know, into great shape. So, uh, but she loves it. She loves gymnastics. She looks always working out with me. It's fun to to have someone who's interested in things that I'm interested in.
2: Um, that was such a PC answer, but I'm sure there's also a part of her that it's like, yeah, I love that everyone knows my husband has a hot body. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little bit different for her at first when, you know, you're on the Olympic scene and, uh, you know, social media and the following starts to grow a little bit and you get, you know, some crazy stuff out there. So it takes some, you know, adjusting for her on her part. But, you know, she's been through it before and now she's, you know, she's used to some stuff and she loves uh, just kind of being able to be out there and experience everything with me.
2: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So do you think it's sexist for women to make these lists about men's bodies and to say, like, bulge watch at the Olympics or the hottest athletes at the Rio Olympics?
3: Um, you know, I mean, I think it just depends. But, you know, I mean, if I think if they just have a, a list of who they think is, you know, attractive to them or not, I don't think so. You know, but I think everybody kind of has their own opinion. <laughs> um, you know, we don't sit here and make our list about, other attractive athletes or anything like that, but you know, I think it's all good and fun when people, you know, they want to they want to have fun with it, and all it does for us is put us out there a little bit more and hopefully get us some more uh, fans of jo- of our sport.
2: You so see, you're taking it all in stride. That's an excellent point, though. That's actually the list I would want to see. <laughs> the, uh, the Olympic athletes make of the hottest Olympic athletes. Yeah, is there like a secret hot or
1: not journal floating around the Olympic Village that we don't know about? Yeah, like a burn book. <laughs>
3: Not that I know of.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to call us back if you find out that exists.
3: <laughs> yeah, I will.
2: <laughs> um. So what's next for you after this, Jake?
3: Um. We actually go on a post-Olympic tour, so we have about three months of traveling, and we do um, shows every few nights up in the city, um, and uh, just kind of travel the U.S.,
2: that's amazing. That's amazing. And it's so great after all this work you've put in. I mean, I know you've been at the Olympics before, but after all this work you put into it to have those few months to kind of like. I'm sure Rio itself is such a whirlwind, so it's kind of fun to have a few months to really like get afloat on cloud nine and enjoy it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely nice to be able to kind of kick back and relax a little bit and uh, just kind of enjoy it now.
2: Okay, so I have to ask you, who has the best bulge on the men's gymnastics team?
3: <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to leave that one up to you guys to judge. <laughs> well, we
2: are the experts here at Cosmo. I think we employ bulge scientists
3: at, um, yeah. at
2: Cosmo who can figure that out. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jake. Thank you so much for taking the time out of literally being in the Olympics to jump on the phone with Cosmo. And when you were on your like tour of champions, um, come to New York and see us, okay?
3: Yeah, absolutely, no problem, thanks for having me. All
2: right, see you then.
3: All right, thank you, bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye.
1: Oh, he was adorable. He was great, and the whole time he was talking, our producer, Seth here, was (laughs) turning his monitor around and showing me um, shirtless photos of Jake. You know I'm very familiar with them, and it's like he's like raising his (laughs) eyebrows at me, like, "Oh my God, look at this!" Like, "Hello, I run Cosmo. Like, I know what this stuff looks like." (laughs) You were
2: you look at shirtless photos of Jake all day long,
1: (laughs) (laughs) or Jake like people. (laughs) I mean, it's literally part of the job. Yeah, we have we have hot guys in and out of the office all the time. I mean, it's just it's Cosmo. What can you say? That's just how it is. That's just how it is.
2: Um, So, one thing I don't necessarily talk about very often, but that is a huge perk of working in a place like Cosmo is, you guys, I have so many beauty products that I, I literally have in the hallway leading up to my bathroom. Like... 25 million Ikea shelves that are full of them. It's seriously out of control. So the point is, I really know my beauty products. And so there's one in particular I wanted to talk to you guys about today. Very excited to introduce you to a new-ish line of beauty products called Kapari. They are products that moisturize skin and hair, smell grey, and without any sulfates, silicones, GMOs, or parabens. Instead, Kapari products are made with 100% organic coconut oil. You guys have heard so much conversation around coconut oil. It's basically the miracle product in the beauty industry. Industry right now. Kapari makes great products a coconut sheer oil, sort of a light and perfect facial moisturizer, a coconut balm for intense soothing and smoothing of super dry skin, a coconut crushed scrub, love that name, coconut body glow, so summery, and their original coconut melt. The reason I like these products so much, and I really like the coconut balm in particular, um, weirdly, I feel like I have talked about this before on the podcast, but I have super, super dry skin. I always need like the emergency like 150% like oily hydrating whatever whatever thing because i have such dry skin and these kapari products really have all of those miracle benefits of coconut oil that you've heard so much about and are particularly great for people with dry skin like me so Kapari really searched around the world for an oil of the highest quality with a great aroma and a non gritty texture that you can apply head to toe. And in particular, like I said, I really like the Coconut Balm. Check out all their products, but if you're going to get just one, that's my favorite. So, go to kaparibeauty.com/cosmo and you can get 20% off your order. You guys know I never talk about something without giving you your own little coupon code. So, that is Kapari. K-O-P-A-R-I beauty.com slash Cosmo for 20% off. And then let me know what you guys think about it. I think you'll love it. And you'll smell like a beautiful tropical vacation, which is a little perk. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. One of the main arguments that is pro-male objectification is the idea that obviously women are objectified way more than men, specifically in the media. So here to shed light on the male gaze is our dear friend Cosmopolitan.com's Weekend Editor, Laura Back. Hi, Laura. Hey, guys. Hey, Um, thank you so much for joining us super early out there on the West Coast um, (laughs) to talk about the male gaze. So tell us about this idea of the male gaze. The majority of media is written, produced, directed, and typically stars men. So can you kind of unpack what this idea of the male gaze is and what we mean when we talk about it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so almost everything is shot with the male gaze in mind, whether it's intentional or not. Um, And what that means is when you consume any kind of media, women are viewed as objects of male pleasure. So and like once you notice it, you see it literally everywhere. Like the the classic one is like the shot of a woman getting out of a swimming pool, like in slow motion and a bikini with like you know, water dripping down her. Yep,
2: can imagine Uh, that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I know and I like made that point once some guy was like, You see shots of men like that too and it's like, Okay, maybe for every hundred women there's one man and usually the male shot is kind of done for laughs.
1: I have something to say about that, yeah. actually, Laura, yeah. because we um, we did a video. Uh, well, I wanted to do a, a video compilation of swimmers getting out of the pool slowly. Yeah. And it was so hard to find the footage. And we did put up okay. a video, which you can find on the Cosmopolitan Facebook page. You should follow if you don't. Uh, you can find this video of like male Olympic athletes looking athletes looking sexy, and. But I have to say, that was like a compromise for my dream montage of male, male swimmers and divers getting out of the pool slowly. <laughs> it was very hard to find the footage. No,
0: totally. And I
2: bet if you went to go make one of women, you could make it in five
0: minutes. Like, it was Probably. the beginning day to put those images.
2: Right, right. Um, I think that's something really important, actually, Laura, that you said that we, Amy and I haven't talked about as we've been, like, gabbing away on this episode so far, which is that usually when you do sort of do the role reversal, it is a little bit played for laughs. And actually, one thing I'm just thinking about, I don't know if you saw this on the site, but um, we just did a music video on cosmopolitan.com where we had male models reenact MILF, the Fergie song.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, so they were, like, pouring pouring milk all over their bodies and, like... And bathtubs full of milk and.
2: Right. And it's like hilarious. But like, that's the thing. It's hilarious. And so I think that's kind of interesting. Like, women are seen in this way as being hypersexualized. But when you even try to frame men in the same way, like, it's always for laughs. I don't really know what we like. I don't know really what to say about that. They also look hot, I will say. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, we only hire hot male models. We're yeah. pros, <laughs>
1: even though it's gross that they're pouring milk on their bodies.
0: <laughs> right. uh, I think it's kind of awesome in a way. It's like we're kind of like Cosmo in that way. It's subverting the male gaze, right? Like it's like taking it back, if you if you will, which I think is really powerful. Right. It's, fun- it's funny, but it's also like it's funny because it's so abnormal.
2: Right. So we were talking a little bit about this before we jumped on the phone with you, Laura, but how is it... What are the different implications of of objectifying men's bodies versus women's? Why is it so different?
0: Um, I think it's different because when you objectify women, you take away, like, their power. Um, you It's like you make them strictly sexual, and that's not the case when you do it with men. Um, like, is there something... I think it's Daisy Buchanan in Marie Claire UK, um, it's like something like objectifying men doesn't take away their economic and professional power. Um, mm-hmm. It's true, women are constantly judged by their bodies in ways that are far more harmful to their like well-being, their safety, their equality, and men just don't experience that. And it's, we're so far away from equality in that area that it's like, I don't know, it's like comparing... Grapes and potatoes. You know, it's like you don't, it's just, it's so different. Right. You can't, and we can sit around and like argue hypotheticals all day, but it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous. I'd rather talk about the wage gap. Right. And it's, it's like <laughs> it's, you know, it's distracting from like the real, the real spice
2: my personal opinion which i know not everyone agrees with but i just like literally think you can't be sexist against men it's just not a thing it's not a thing in a sexist culture to just pretend like it's the same thing to to sort of you know the whole reason sexism exists is because there is a power imbalance and so you can't change the power imbalance at this moment in time in our culture and therefore it is impossible to be sexist against men that's my feeling on the matter
0: yeah, I totally agree with that, like, it's institutionalized yeah. power, like, we can't, putting up a slideshow of bulges, it doesn't even begin to make a dent, and, and in fact, I think you could argue that it, it it helps, it lets women take some control over their fandom, because, you know, women are considered, like, fake fans whenever they get into something, it's like, you have to prove that you're, that you're, like, actually equal in the sports world if you're a woman you have to prove that you know about sports and you can't wear makeup when you go to parties like you know there's all those ways that women have to kind of like fit into the sports world so i think like any anything that makes straight men feel like slightly uncomfortable it's like welcome to our world guys yeah like maybe this will make you more empathetic to our struggles welcome to my life yeah get out there and fight for equal rights now right 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 right
2: Um, one thing that I do want to say this has nothing to do with the Olympics but I want to take a moment to talk about my favorite movie which is obviously The Shallows starring Blake Lively which came out earlier oh. this summer <laughs> but um, one thing I want to say as I'm getting like all angry about these things as I always do is that I think there has been positive progress things are getting better as a society we are more woke now than we were a decade or two ago and I actually that's why I kind of want to bring up The Shallows everyone knows that Blake Lively is a hot babe and um, And is probably more famous for being a hot babe than she is for her technical acting ability, although I think she's extremely charming. She's an artiste. (laughs) She's an artiste. But um, I will say, I don't know if you guys saw The Shallows, but I just want to say, I was so excited to see it because I thought it was going to be really campy, and I was actually surprised by how suspenseful it really was. I mean, like, on the edge of my seat kind of thing. And I will also say, I really noticed that there were not as many gratuitous Blake Lively like boob shots as I would have expected. And I just felt like this is an example of a movie being made. And I mean, I guess it probably wasn't made in 2016. It was probably technically made last year. But I think the same movie made a decade ago would have looked really, really different. And I felt like not to be like the shallows is a sign of progress. But as a you know, female <laughs> who thinks about these kind of things all day long, I specifically noticed that with that movie. Um, and so I think it's a good reminder as I'm like working myself up into my own frenzy over here as I do every episode in the podcast that things are getting better and people are being mindful of this. And I would like to think it's in part because of conversations just like this one.
0: <laughs>
2: we're, we're fighting a yeah, I mean, good I fight.
1: Think, yeah, I think that there's evidence of it not to be a negative Nancy. That, that was her name in the show. <laughs> it's right, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I still good haven't seen the movie. Back. I need to see it. Um there is signs of progress, and there's also signs of not progress. And I think that Hillary Clinton in the election, like everything comes back. Every conversation about sexism, I feel like comes back to Hillary Clinton now. Yes, but just looking at that historic race and what she's up against, and her constant reminders to her her uh, her audiences that she's not a natural politician, and then Donald Trump gets on the podium and just kind of word vomits whatever whatever thought comes into his brain and, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. has made it this far. I think that that is the most glaring example, you know, in modern history of kind of the differences between being a man and being a woman and the power imbalances <laughs> that that still exist that are so
2: hard. Oh, I my God. Yeah. Oh, sorry.
0: No, jump right in, Laura. Yeah. I
1: mean,
2: I was just completely thinking about that.
0: Like, I was thinking what my ritual would be the next time someone thought. Saw- something like this up and it's like get back to me when we've had 44 women presidents
2: and then we can discuss this
0: right like this is just history you know
2: means something like context means something for sure for sure that's a great point so on that totally sobering note have you guys had a favorite bulge moment in the olympics (laughs) so far (laughs) I love the swimming.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that I can isolate a singular bulge, but I just, I don't know. I love the swimming. And I will only love watching swimming every four years. Right. Of course. But their bodies are just so great. I have been. They're really something.
2: I actually, this is like an important thing to bring into this conversation. I have just been dying over, and Amy, I know that you've posted about this as well. I've been dying over NBC's coverage of Michael Phelps being so old. (laughs) Like they keep being like, look at his 31-year-old body barely crawling out of the pool. It's like the guy just won his like 54 millionth gold medal and they're like being so savage in their commentary. Yeah, they
1: compared him getting out of the pool to like a 20-something year old getting out of the pool and they were like, that's how a 21-year-old gets out of the pool. Look at Michael oh Phelps. He's 31. It takes a lot longer <laughs> to get out of the pool. Are you kidding me? They did like a side-by-side? Yeah. Because there's like a warm-up pool. It's ridiculous. They
2: have been rel- (laughs) Like as (laughs) if they actually think anyone in America thinks that to be a 31 year old man is old. It's like they're like assuming this is a fact, which I think, again, it feels so ridiculous. But in some ways, that is kind of a you can draw a little bit of a parallel between how ridiculous that commentary is with. The ridiculousness of the conversation that has typically existed around women's bodies. So,
1: yeah, there's not really a conversation then, about ageism happening. But I also have to say, like, there has been a lot of conversation, which we've done coverage of on cosmopolitan.com. And Laura, I know that you've done coverage of it when you're on for us editing over the weekend, but the NBC coverage has been alarmingly uh, <laughs> tone deaf in many ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear yep. Laura groaning. Um, and I don't know. It's like I feel like the debate about like is it okay for for websites like Cosmo to have a slideshow of like guys' bodies is bigger than the commentary that you know the NBC anchors are making, like um, that Hungarian swimmer, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: the Iron Lady they call her. Her husband is has like been credited with with her gold medal victories and it's just like crazy. Right, right, right.
2: Crazy. He's right, he's her coach and basically as soon as she won, it was sort of like, all I think they literally said something along the lines of like all the credit to her husband.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um yeah. there there was the other example. Um well certainly a lot of the coverage around Gabby Douglas has been sexist yep. and racist, you know, the entire yep. idea of here is this champion athlete defending all around You know, Olympic champion, and the conversation has been about her appearance and the way that her hair looks.
0: Yeah, totally. She's not smiling all the time. It's like it has all of these meanings. It's like no human being can smile all the time and not have their face fall off. Right. Give the
2: girl a break. Right. It's also so weird because Gabby Douglas is such a like little tiny adorable person. It's like really, really America. Um, And then of course, you know, Katie LeDecky and. You know who's been this just phenomenon swimmer who is just smashing her own records left and right. I love all the photos of her in the pool where you can't even see the other athletes because she's so far ahead of them. But both Katie Ledecky and Simone Biles have made comments along the lines of like, don't compare me to Michael Phelps. Like, I'm not Michael Phelps. I'm Simone Biles. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and, And, you know, I think an important point that has been um i was talking to the writer jess wiener who does a lot of commentary on these kinds of things and i think she made an important point to remember that sometimes sexist criticism can sound like a compliment and i think that's a way of understanding that she's the next michael phelps um you know yes. don't diminish a woman's accomplishments by framing them in terms of a man i love that Guys, I was trying to ask you about your favorite bulge moment, and then oh, I, just went out. I just said Seriously. I like <laughs> swimmers, yeah, and then yeah. we <laughs> yeah. laughed about Michael
0: Phelps. <laughs> yeah,
1: Laura, what's your favorite bulge moment?
0: You know what, you guys? I was watching the high jump last night. And <laughs> oh my god, I know what you're going to say. Super fine, um, like almost all of them. But I think that I have like a thing for like mock top because there's this one guy, and I, I'm going to totally butcher his name, but he's a, a Bulgarian high jumper. It's like Timor Ivanov. But he wears these, like, really tight little, like, um, biker shorts, and he's just super cut and
2: has the best smile and the best hair, and I just am in love with him. You love his smile, his hair, and his bulge. Yes, I love it all. <laughs> and,
0: and maybe that's the thing that's different about a woman, too. Like, I don't want to see it disembodied. <laughs> like, you want some personality.
2: Yes, is that sad? I, that might be sad. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> The whole package, literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Elisa, no, What's
1: your favorite bulge moment? Oh
2: my yeah. gosh, I was gonna kind of secretly, <clears throat> gonna kind of secretly pass on it because you guys, this is like a terrible thing to Seth say. Seth has some options for you if you
1: turn around. Oh and look my at god,
2: that's <laughs> hers. <laughs> He's like googling like high jumpers bulges. <laughs> um, this is what it's like to work at Cosmo. Um, no, but actually, I. Love a good male bulge, but I am not kidding when I say I've watched approximately two minutes of men competing in the Olympics and one million minutes of the women. Like, I just feel like such the story. How did you do that? You have to be
1: so selective because they just, like, the announcers are just showing Michael Phelps and talking about Michael Phelps endlessly. Right.
2: I'm just, like, at this point in my life where I'm so disinterested in men and their achievements and
3: accomplishments
2: (laughs) (laughs) that I have, like, tunnel vision for the women. And this has just been the the women in the Rio Olympics have just been fire. Like, it has just been so amazing. And I'm a huge gymnastics fan, so I've just, like, loved watching the women's gymnastics team um, just, like, getting out there and killing it. Um, And... So I don't even have a favorite Bulge moment. Cop out. You I'm to, sorry. You need to do some studying, Alisa I will. I'll get I back to you guys. I will. I will. You could will surely do the just like toe.
1: pick pick something.
2: Oh, the um, this wasn't even necessarily Bulge specific, but I did like in the opening ceremonies the conversation around the like super hot shirtless oh yeah flag oh, yeah. yeah flag man yeah that, that was, was a good fun. way to kick things off. <laughs> Great way to kick things off. (laughs) I love the Olympics. (laughs) Well, Laura, thank you so much. It's always so fun to have you on the podcast. Let's do it again soon. Thank you so
0: much for having me. I have such a great time, as always.
2: You ladies are the best. You're the best. All right. Bye, girl. Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. So, Amy, to recap, what have you learned today? What was your highlight from this bulge conversation? Oh, man, that's such a great question. Um,
1: I love what Laura had to say about the male gaze. Um, and Laura is also a TV writer, so I think she really brings a unique uh, perspective to the conversation, especially when we're talking about televised events, which is what what we're all looking at because most of us are not in Rio Um, And I also, you know, it's really interesting to hear from an actual uh, male Olympian. An actual
2: (laughs) bulge-haver.
1: An actual, yeah, keeper of a bulge that is famous say that, you know, he's like, he's fine with it and he's worked so hard on his body and he's eating egg whites every morning for breakfast and getting up before 6 a.m. I mean, like, what were you doing at 5.50 this morning? Oh, my God. (laughs) You know what I mean? so, like, it is interesting to hear his perspective that, like, you know, Most people don't pay attention to gymnastics unless it's the Olympics. And like, this is his time to shine, and he's worked so hard on his
2: body, and he's he's happy to show it off and happy for it to get attention. Right. He's doing it for the sport. I'm really glad that Jake was able to call in. And I just want to say again, I literally have in my notes that we reached out to over 22 male actors and musicians um, and literally all of them said we'd like to politely decline. We'll pass on this one. So I give Jake props for even saying like, yeah, this is a conversation that people are having around this Olympics in in specific. And I'm willing to sort of jump in and talk about that. And I'm really glad that we are
1: having this conversation at all. And if Cosmo's Bulge uh, Celebration Slideshow had anything to do with it, I think that that's great. And I think that that's the role that a brand like Cosmo should play in um, in popular culture.
2: For sure. Um, so everyone check out that slideshow on cosmopolitan.com <laughs> as well as all of our other bulge and olympic coverage. Um, and Amy, where is the best place for people to follow you and follow up with you about their favorite bulge moment from the Olympics? Oh, that's great. Um,
1: where should you follow me? Well, I like don't even want to give my Twitter handle anymore because people are so mean. <laughs> but my Twitter handle is Amy O'Dell, A-M-Y-O-D-E-L-L. You can also find me... On Instagram, it's instamyodell, I-N-S-T-A-M-Y-O-D-E-L-L. And I have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Books where you can leave a comment and reach me there as well. And also buy your book. Oh, yes. And buy my book. The paperback is coming out at the end of next month. It's called Tales from the Back Row, An Outsider's View from Inside the Fashion Industry.
2: And I don't think there's any specific bold commentary in your book, but you do talk a lot about sexism and you have a really interesting chapter about the Victoria's Secret fashion show. I talk show. a lot
1: about the Victoria's Secret fashion show, which um, I guess, you know, it's like my bad feminist mm-hmm. indulgence, one of them, I guess. But um, I find I, I I think that the fashion show is the Victoria's Secret fashion show is so interesting because the conversation is all around the women's bodies and all of the dieting that they have to do in order to be cast in the show. And I think that it's fascinating. I don't necessarily think that it is the best thing for women. But it, I sort of present a behind the scenes look at it. And I think, you know, readers can kind of draw their own conclusions about it.
2: That's one of my favorite parts of the book. So everyone check that out. That's in congrats on the paperback. I think you. know that was on the way. Um, and To all of you, as always, thank you so much for listening to Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. I have so much fun doing this with you guys every week. As always, please share and rate and like and do all the things you do with a podcast. And I love when you guys email me and tweet at me and give me ideas for future episodes. So as always, you can find me at Elisa Benson. E-L-I-S-A-B-E-N-S-O-N on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, which I use like once every six months. Um, So I love hearing from you guys and I will see you next week. Bye.